Good evening, and welcome back to Monsters Never Die, Talk Film Society's spooky season podcast, where we take a look at the original Universal Monsters, as well as their reimaginings and remakes. I'm one of your co-hosts, Matt Curione, editor-at-large over at Talk Film Society, and joining me on this reign of terror is Jacob is... Denoble. There you go, and finished my sentences. Matt, <laughs> I'm so worried right now. I can't see you. Can you see me? Uh, nope, you're a regular John Cena right now. Okay, all right. Listeners, um, I just want to tell you that uh, tonight you're going to have two invisible men talk to you about the invisible men. It's going to be pretty awesome. At the, yeah, a couple of ladies, too. At least one. We can rule the world, you know? No one will see us come and no one will see us go. <laughs> the power's already gone to our heads. As always. Okay, so obviously today we're going to be discussing 1933's The Invisible Man. Uh... Are based uh, based on a novel by H.G. Wells. It's a little novel, more of a novella, and <laughs> directed by James Whale, starring Claude Rains in his first big screen appearance. Okay, right off the bat, I'm going to say this is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's the not, absolute best. Not just of the Universal Monsters, but like I, regardless of like genre, this is one of my favorite films. I love everything about this. Jacob, what do you think of this one? There is not a single moment in The Invisible Man that is not hugely entertaining. It is so mm-hmm. much fun and is right up there with all of James Whale's other films as the best of the Universal canon. It's absolutely terrific. Uh, so yes, like I said, this is actually based on a, a novel by H.G. Wells, uh, a novel that I read way, uh, way back in high school. And this is one of those adaptations that's shockingly faithful yeah. uh, to its source material with the exception of the romance subplot. Which, I mean, it's Hollywood, it's old school Hollywood, you gotta have a romance. But And even um, that's barely apparent barely, in the film. Like, yeah. it's there, but, it's, but you could easily it, forget about it. It works, and this is actually a, it's a really good adaptation yeah. of an H.G. Wells story. And, in fact, I think he might be even more evil in the movie. Mm-hmm. He definitely has a higher body count, uh, Dr. Griffin, Jack Griffin. Yeah, we have to talk about that before we get into anything. Yeah, he kills, I think it's, uh, they say at least 120 people, and I think at the number is... At least 120 people, yes. <laughs> that is definitely, that's more than any slasher villain has killed in any of their individual films, at least. Yes, I think uh, he might rival Jason Voorhees. Like, throughout the franchise. Yeah. Uh, in the amount of people he murders <laughs> in this movie. And then he embarrasses about 50 other people. Uh, yeah, that's... pretty terrific. My favorite part about The Invisible Man, and I think the thing that makes it stick out more than all of the rest of the Universal Monster movies, is that The Invisible Man is just a giant asshole. He's an ass. Like, he's, he's a total jerk. And he's e- evil. He's an evil jerk. He's not a fun jerk. I mean... I think he's, he's not, a little fun. He, I don't want to hang out with him, but like... No, but, I mean, he's fun, but not when he's knocking a baby out of a baby carriage. Like, that is some (laughs) evil, (laughs) twisted shit. I love it. I love this guy. Yeah, let's get into the basic story of The Invisible Man. We start this movie, uh, he's already invisible. That's Uh, so good. And I can't imagine what Claude Rains thought about that. Like he's wow! This is my first movie, and yeah. I'm already invisible. This is my first big movie. I'm not going to have my photo shown until the last like three seconds. Yeah, I guess this. You know, this will probably just be nothing. And goddamn, he knocks it out of the park and makes an instantly recognizable character actor out yes. of a role where you never see him. 
this he's absolutely terrific in this because uh, he has that very recognizable voice. Mm-hmm. Where if you hear it, you're like, oh, oh yeah, that's Claude Rains. Okay, I, I know this guy. Uh, so yeah, this guy he shows up with uh, one of the coolest uh, creature designs. I guess he's a creature. Uh, just all the bandages mm-hmm. with the fake nose and like the goggles. Yeah, his uh, first shot where you see him is instantly coming iconic. In from the snow. It's great, and uh, he rents a room uh, against the innkeeper's will, <laughs> Una O'Connor. She's back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the wonderful Una O'Connor returns here, doing <laughs> some great comedy, uh, letting out that trademark scream. And yet again, I just have to say, I love her so much. She's the best. She's just she's a peach. She's just so delightful. Uh, so he starts doing uh, some experiments. He, he Basically, he wants to reverse what he did to himself, where he turned himself invisible. And, I mean, the only reason he's doing that, I mean, he loves being invisible, but he doesn't really enjoy the insanity that comes with it. Which is, you know, understandable. Mm-hmm. And, of course, she discovers that he something's off with him when she goes to bring the mustard uh, to him. And he's like, ah, don't look at me. And this is also where we get the first glimpse at those amazing visual effects. Yes. That, that I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, they hold up to this day. Yeah. They still look really, really good. I mean, if you showed this to someone who had never seen this before, and they only know, they only know CGI, they would probably say, yeah, they probably used computers to do this. And then you would be like, nope. No, they did not. Uh, how did they do this, Jacob? Okay. Oh, I'm glad you asked. Um, so essentially, uh, for the main visual effects sequences, they, they use a couple of different techniques. You know, sometimes it's just like a mechanical body that they, you know, just puppet mm-hmm. around. But for the what you think of as the main visual effects sequences in the film, you have essentially three pieces of film that are being combined together into one. Yeah. So you have your background plate, which is the room that the Invisible Man is in. And that is just so that whenever you film whatever you have, you can then see through him to the room behind him. Your second plate is then going to be Claude Rains wearing a black velvet bodysuit in an all-black velvet room. Mm -hmm. And he is wearing whatever clothes that the Invisible Man is wearing. And the reason that they use black velvet is that it absorbs light. And, you know, Uh back in the days, the 35mm film, the film itself has a chemical reaction to the exposure of light... So if no light is exposed to it, that piece of the film remains unexposed and can later be re-exposed, combining two pieces of film together. Now that's all well and good, but if you were to just combine the background plate with the clothes, you would end up with translucent clothes. Mm -hmm. So they have to do a high contrast negative, which essentially turns all of the clothing shots into just a black silhouette of whatever the Invisible Man's clothes were doing. And when you combine all three of those layers together, you end up with what looks to be clothes moving around a room with no head or hands. Yep. And one of the challenges, uh, I think, you know, for acting in that is that you have to be extremely careful to never pass any velveted part of your body in front of any clothed part of your body. Exactly. So his hands can't pass over his chest. He has to constantly be blocking himself in such a way so that... He's not creating, essentially, holes in himself. And it's wild. This Actually, this harkens back to what we talked about in the Dracula episode with uh, all those little in-camera techniques that uh, Roman Coppola and uh, Francis Theo, they, they did for that. And what makes it even more impressive is basically Whale and company are coming up with this shit on the fly. Mm-hmm. They're like, we got to figure out how to do this. Yeah. And, and by 
God they did. Yeah. They did, and they, oh man. And it works. It, it's st- like I said it before, but it still looks great. Yeah. Claude Rains is the star of the film. Yes. Whale is up there, but I think John P. Fulton, who did the visual effects for the entire Universal Invisible Man series, is the unsung hero. He's phenomenal. Yes. Like, he is, he is the man who kept making it happen, and he kept improving the techniques, actually, as the films go along, and they get... Yeah, he just kept getting better. More and more complicated, and more and more exciting. So basically, yeah, he's losing his mind. He needs to, he needs to get out, he needs to, to fix whatever the hell is wrong with him. Basically, Una O'Connor notices, oh, he's missing half his face, so she screams, runs out, and then basically a small mob is formed right away to, we need to get him out of here. Mm-hmm. We don't know what he's doing, he's... he's He's some kind of type of monster. Uh, it actually, this has one of my favorite line readings in any of these movies. Uh, it's when the uh, chief constable, I guess, sees him and uh, he's like, he's all eaten away. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many good lines. Which I, I, I quote film. that line a lot. And it, <laughs> and it, and it works. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, so good. And basically they're like, it's a voiceover performance for the most part once he's invisible. And boy, you couldn't have picked a better voice. You really couldn't have. Yeah. Then we get the, uh, then we get the terrorizing of the town. Which is uh, maybe my favorite part. It's so much fun. I'm going to need to borrow your bicycle. (laughs) And and you see the bicycle. I mean, you can see the strings that the bicycle is on, but who the hell cares? You see that. You see, uh, I love how Griffin is like, I'm going to throttle you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he just beats the shit out of people. Uh, like we said before, he knocks over a baby carriage and the <laughs> and the baby goes on the ground. Um, Later when he starts um, dancing and he's just the pair of pants and he's singing yes. about gathering nuts in May. That's Yes, yes. It's great. It's, yeah. it's great. And, uh, he's just a so little he, scamp who murders a lot of people. He's, he's, he's such a scamp. Uh, he escapes the town. He runs away. But he left all his research there. So now he has to go back. But first we get to meet, it's been 84 years herself, Gloria Stewart. I love her. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She's great here. Uh, It's really great seeing Gloria Stewart from Titanic before she was... This is like one of her first first roles. Mm -hmm. And uh, she may not have, uh, you know, gotten along very well with uh, Claude Rains, but she's good here. I, I really like her as the the added-in romantic interest. I'm just fantasizing about a movie where the Invisible Man is on the Titanic, and... I want this movie now, <laughs> where he's a jewel thief or something. Yeah. The Invisible Thief. Let's, let's bankroll this. That's how you do it, Universal. <laughs> but yeah, so then he has to go back, and uh, he meets up with, uh, I guess it's like his friend, his partner, uh, Kemp. Mm-hmm. And basically, they, they're basically conspiring against the Invisible Man this entire time. Yeah. Because they know that, oh, wow, Jack's lost his mind. We need to do something about this. Because and he found in a, an obscure, what is it, German textbook or something? That yes. the invisibility potion will cause you to go insane. And it turns out that Claude Rains does not know that. So he calls uh, his his friend uh, Dr. Cranley, a.k.a. It's Henry Travers, <laughs> a.k.a. Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he popped up, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot Clarence is in this. This is great. <laughs> this is one of his good deeds, taking out the Invisible Man. <laughs> Every time you ring a bell, the Invisible Man loses his pants. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, basically Griffin's like, if you don't help me... If you don't help me get my stuff out of that out of that room, you're gonna die. I don't care. Um, you're just you may be my friend, but uh, this is way more important than friendship. And uh, wow, a, a born capitalist that Griffin. <laughs> One of my favorite things about the Invisible Man is that he murders so many people, 
But his yeah, only power care. is really just being nude and mad. Yes, he's an <laughs> angry, naked man. <laughs> that's his, That's all he is. Yeah, he's just an angry, naked man who's just, you know, he's had it up to here with these kids. <laughs> they're all done for. So then uh, this all happens. He gets his, uh, he gets his books. Uh, the chief detective, you know, he uh, does a search. They're going to do a search, right? Mm-hmm. There's a huge search party. And Before the search party, I, I just want to throw in that one of my favorite sequences is when they start asking the public, how do we catch an invisible man? Yes. And everybody yes. starts throwing in their ideas. And I love it because I feel like every Invisible Man movie that there's ever been has started with people saying, okay, well, what are the things we haven't thought about Yeah, would affect being invisible? And let's let's try and confront those in the film itself. And so everybody's coming up with ideas like, oh, the soot is going to like land on his shoulders and you can see him that mm-hmm. way. Or like, oh, well, if he, you know, if his feet get dirty from walking in, in the dirt, that's when you'll see him and catch him. That's uh, when you'll see him, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that stuff. Uh, luckily, it starts snowing, though. Yes. So that's another way that you can find the Invisible Man. You look for the footprints. Mm-hmm. And there's this huge search party and Griffin kills all of them. Yeah. Off screen, of course, you know, because you can't have a lot of murders on screen. He but does yeah, he bash does... a dude's head in earlier in the film he... in a surprisingly he... brutal sequence. That's when he says, I will throttle you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, he kills the entire search party. Uh, I believe this is around the time when he derails a train, mm-hmm. which that's when he kills about 100 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a Jesus, this guy's evil. He's such a bastard murderer. <laughs> <laughs> and the, basically the whole rest of the movie is a, a hunt for the Invisible Man. I um I love the uh, the cop the idea that the cops settle on, which is they're all going to link arms together, yes, and like create a slowly shrinking circle. Yep, and turns out not to worked. be very effective, and not very effective because he throttles everyone. <laughs> uh, but another bonus to this movie, it's only seventy-one minutes long. Yeah, a lot of these are pretty short, which is why it's, honestly that's one of the main reasons I love these things. You <laughs> could just throw it on and it's done in an hour. It's it's terrific. Uh, so yeah, nothing more can really be said other than, hey, Claude Rains is amazing. Yeah, it's... Uh, he He's so good. And I mean, before I saw this when I was a kid, I had actually seen Casablanca first. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And when I, then I, when I saw this, I was like, oh, that's... Oh, that's that's Casablanca. That's him. That's, <laughs> that's Casablanca. That's Casablanca. That's you know, the my famous, favorite character. You know, the famous character, Johnny Casablanca. <laughs> that's him. It's great. Uh, but no, I love this thing. Um, it's terrific. If uh, When this episode goes live, I'm going to do another shameless plug where I plug my article that I wrote for Talk Film Society a few years ago when we did Universal Monsters Week uh, where I got to write about the Invisible Man and how much I love it. And so that'll be fun. Everyone gets to read it all over again. Sounds... Can't wait to read it myself. And stay tuned for my Una O'Connor podcast. <laughs> Shrieking in the Dark. Shrieking in the Dark. That's what it's called. Yep. That's the name of the show. Shrieking in the Dark. The Ono O'Connor story. God, when are they going to make that movie? Uh, <laughs> okay, now we're going to talk about, real quick, the sequels that came after, yes. after this. I have only seen one of them. You've seen them all, yes? Yep, I've seen them all. And they're okay, all uh, pretty damn good. Hit me up. Um, what do so we got here? The Invisible Man Returns, using, you which, know, the sequel word that you always get, which is Returns. Which is the one I've seen. Which, I've seen this one. Is also weird because he doesn't really. He's dead as a doornail. This is a new Invisible Man. 
but but there is a griffin in this yes yes they um they start off in the same continuity and then they briefly take a break from that continuity yeah and then they come back to it i think uh i love this movie yeah it's awesome uh, it's the first time Vincent Price did a horror movie, mm-hmm. and of course he plays the Invisible Man, because when you have an actor with, yet again, an iconic voice, yes, how do you not have him do basically an hour and ten minute voiceover performance? Yeah, uh, that's... He is so cool in this. I love his voice, uh, his little one-liners, they're very snappy and fun, and you get that, that deliciousness of, uh, of, Vincent, of a Vincent Price performance, even at an early age, really just knocking it out of, the, out of the park. Yeah, and I mean, if there is anyone who could possibly follow the footsteps in Claude, of Claude Rains, it's Vincent Price. It's Vincent Price, yeah. yes. After The Invisible Man returns, we uh, jump to The Invisible Woman, which has okay. no relationship to the rest of the series. This one is a one-off. It is also not really a horror film. This is more of more a, of a comedy, workplace yeah. comedy. <laughs> okay, sure. It's it's good though. Uh, she uh, she turns invisible. She uh, gets some revenge on like a crappy boss, and uh, there's a lot of good gags in it. Um, I'll have to see this one. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. Uh, then they go to the invisible agent, which is technically back in continuity with the rest. And uh, this one is the World War II spy movie. Uh, it was also a wartime propaganda production. Yes. And, well, yes. so my favorite part of it is <laughs> the opening bit of propaganda. <laughs> which is it shows um that film's invisible man and he, he has the formula to turn himself invisible yeah and the government is trying to get this formula from him and he's like i will never give you this formula this can't be trusted this can't go into anyone's mm-hmm. hands don't you people understand and then like a comedy sketch where they go no 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 and then they immediately crash cut to them having done it so he yes. goes no 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 and then it crash cuts to a newspaper front page that just says Pearl Harbor bombed. Oh, no. And then immediately cuts from that to him working for the government. Of course. Giving them his invisibility. Well, I potion. guess I should give it to you. Yeah. The Invisible Man's Revenge is just kind of more of the same. Not really a lot to say. There. That's what I figured. They, these, uh, they, you know, they tend to peter out eventually. But um, yeah, the effects in all of them are great. Um, Abbott and Costello uh, meet the Invisible Man is a lot of fun. There's I should a, see those. There's a very good boxing sequence. Um, nice. Where the Invisible Man is helping them box. It's 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 pretty good. It's a lot of fun. I need to I need to see that one. Yeah. No. Definitely. I've um, never seen anything from Abbott and Costello. Oh, so, uh, definitely see Meet Frankenstein. Um, yeah. Vincent Price actually cameos as the Invisible Man at the end of that. Excellent. Okay. Um, but that one is absolute top shelf. Invi- Abbott and Costello meet the Invisible Man. A little less, but still a lot of fun. Still fun. Yep. That's all I want. All I want is fun yeah. from the sequels. Uh, I have my masterpiece with the 1933 original. Mm-hmm. And, and anything else is gravy. And uh, speaking of anything else, um, let's get to some diminishing returns with the <laughs> reimaginings and ripoffs and remakes. 1992's Memoirs of an Invisible Man. I think I like much- this movie more than you do. Oh, you definitely do. Uh, direct, <laughs> directed by uh, John Carpenter. Yeah, sure, okay. Uh, based on a book uh, by H.F. Saint uh, with a screenplay kind of by William Goldman. Uh, he kind of disowned this thing because he's like, yeah, that I didn't write any of that. Mm-hmm. It's whatever. There is a really uh, huge tonal whiplash with the tone here. Yeah, it's fine. I, uh, I think this movie's largest okay, problem so th- is one of expectation. It's okay. There's the expectations. Uh, basic story is uh, this uh, yuppie piece of shit, uh, played by Chevy Chase, is in a freak accident at a uh, conference, and he gets turned invisible, 
And this movie also breaks one of the rules of the Invisible Man movies where his clothes are invisible too. Uh, because you, you can't have an invisible Chevy Chase because it's a star vehicle. In the early 90s, he was still super popular. And this basically murdered everything in his career. See, I kind of really, like all these aspects that you are denigrating uh, right I kinda now. I kind of don't like this movie at all. This movie is, uh, it felt long. It's another movie it that took long. me like, it, this movie took me like two days to watch. It's kind of going for this Hitchcock vibe, but, but it doesn't really work because there's such a confused tone. You see, I, uh, mm. so uh, let me just talk uh, about some things I like about it uh, for a sec. <laughs> I think, I like honestly, the effects. The effects are incredible. Effects are good. Effects are very good. I do not know how they've done some of these effects. The effects are very good, and there's a uh, really funny sequence in a restaurant. They really did take the time. Like I said with the, you know, with the Invisible Man, they took the time to write out what haven't we seen an Invisible Man do? Because yes, in the Invisible exactly. Man, they talk about the things where he's like, oh, yeah. I can't eat or else, you know, it'll be visible. So, you know. It'll be gross. And <laughs> this film shows that. This film shows what it would look like to chew gum as an Invisible Man. Which is <laughs> That's actually pretty good. Cool as hell. I think the, um, I honestly, I think the accident where Chevy Chase turns invisible is super cool because you end up with that partially invisible building. That's and a cool, cool uh, visual, yes. That visual, I think, is amazing. And watching the firefighters try and go through this building to, like, you know, make their way through yeah. is, I think, really cool and really compelling. I think Chevy Chase... Is fine. He's fine. He, yes. I think he wanted this to be a transition away from comedy roles into being uh -huh. a leading man. And I but think the studio he was like, is no, able to do funny. that, but I do yeah. not think he managed it well no. in the film. He resorts um, back to mugging occasionally. Of course, because he's Chevy Chase. He can't help it. But I think, I think he's I close think he... enough to delivering a good performance that I think he had it in him that with yeah. just a little more time and a little more effort on his part, he could have been is, really good in this role. thing is, I think he's really good in this movie when he has something to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he's just, you know, just run, going through the motions of a, uh, of a neo-noir thriller, eh. But when he has those character moments, when he's, you know, invisible, mm -hmm. because when he is visible, he's just a, a horn dog shitbag. And it's, like, really off-putting. And, but when he turns invisible, he starts to realize, you know, like, his humanity, yeah. I guess. And how he can, like, actually be a human. That, I think, is actually a really interesting arc of the film, in that you don't get in any other Invisible Man movie, where in every other Invisible Man movie, the arc is, I am invisible, therefore I am powerful, therefore I yeah. am evil. In this, turning invisible removes some of his power. It removes his... Yeah visibility not just in a literal sense but in the sense of being like a rich mm -hmm. white man and yes. he is forced to kind of confront this life that he's lived and i think that's yeah. that's an interesting arc i don't think they nail it no not at all but i don't uh, know I, I will say some positives some things i really love about this movie mm -hmm. i love michael mckean oh michael mckean's uh, great in my mind he can do no wrong he's always great sam neil and, and sam neil plays oh. a great villain yes and Another huge bonus, this gave us In the Mouth of Madness a few years later. Mm -hmm. Carpenter really liked working with Sam Neill. Sam Neill really liked working with Carpenter, uh, despite all the, the hubbub going around this movie and the situation that they were in. And he's like, I want you for the lead in, in my next movie. And he got him for his next movie. And we got a, a crazy, crazy horror movie, In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah, as much as Listeners I kind of enjoy Memoirs of Invincible Man, In the Mouth of Madness, I think, is a masterpiece. It's fantastic. It's one of my favorite Carpenter films. And a lot of people 
haven't seen it or they just don't give it the time of day. It's the best. Which is a shame. So yeah, that's Memoirs of Invisible Man. Uh, it's available on, I think, I think Scream Factory put that out last year. Mm-hmm. I unfortunately watched an old DVD that was in the wrong aspect ratio. So everyone looked about, oh, I don't know, eight to ten feet tall. And it was awful. Well, you know, maybe that affected your enjoyment of the film. I don't know, but it, it, I was looking at it through, like, a funhouse mirror. It was really creepy. I did not care for it. And I was like, wow, you people are freakishly tall. Because it's a nice I mean, I know, film. And I, and I know Chevy Chase is a tall man, but, like, he, lo- he, he looked Angus Scrim-like. I can't this, imagine a worse version. director to have that done to than John Carpenter. <laughs> oh, it was really bad. Uh, uh, speaking of really bad. I knew you were going to make this transition. That's a transition. 2000's Hollow Man. Directed by Paul Verhoeven, okay, who I usually love, uh, starring Kevin Bacon, Elizabeth Shue, Josh Brolin. Looking uh, so much like 90s Superman that it's unearthing yes, to me. J.J. Abrams stalwart Greg Grunberg is in this. Uh, Rolling Thunder himself, William Devane, is in this. This is... Yet again, uh, another you know guy working for the government with his research team, come up with something that we can weaponize, make stuff invisible, and there's no arc here for Kevin Bacon's character. He is awful from scene one. I believe that's the point. I don't care. I, I, that's, that's fair. That is a fair he assessment. Is, this movie is intensely stupid. He is cartoonishly evil. Nothing in this movie works for me outside of the visual effects. And the sound design. So this movie please, is very... Please attempt to defend this. <laughs> okay, I will. So this movie is similar to uh, Memoirs of the Invisible Man. This is kind of two great directors taking Invisible Man movies as kind of paycheck jobs, which is kind of a weird similarity Memoir, between the two of them. Memoirs is a much better film than this. Uh, Verhoeven says that this is his worst film. I agree with him. Um, I'm a huge Paul Verhoeven I would also fan. agree with him. I've... Uh, well, well, I've, you said this is he's your favorite filmmaker, yes? Yes, he is by far my favorite filmmaker. I've seen Excellent. everything he's done that's been released theatrically. So I've seen all nice. of his Dutch films as well as all of his American Ooh. films. Ooh. And yeah, so this is definitely the low point in his career. And it honestly, you know, it it killed his career for quite a long time until he came yes, back with Black Book, which is fantastic. But I see, I think as a Verhoeven superfan... I see the bones of what interested him in this story and what he was trying to do, but didn't necessarily do because he had a screenplay that was, frankly, pretty bad. It's a it's a very bad screenplay. These these are nothing characters. Yeah, these, these are absolutely nothing characters. There are they are nothing but stereotypes. So it's like, oh, animal activist. Okay, cool. Really smart guy. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, security guy. Oh, okay, cool. And very few of them Ugh. actually do feel like scientists. Yeah. I do not buy this as a working lab for even a second. No, not at all. Not at all. But so, I think what I think the film is at least trying to do, or at least attempting to do, is in the same way that Starship Troopers is a film in which Verhoeven is essentially daring an audience to identify with fascists. Like, the idea of Starship Troopers okay. is... I have made a propaganda mm. film for fascists, and at the yeah. end of the movie, you have to confront the fact that you were supporting them the whole time when you're mm-hmm. talking about it and thinking about it later. And I think that Hollow Man... and That this, flew over everyone's head, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> when it came out. Oh, definitely. <laughs> um, 
And I think what he was going for with Hollow Man, and I, I, you know, I have I have a, a book of um, interviews with him where he, he kind of touches on some of this, but a lot of this mm-hmm. is just interpolation of my own. I think that this is supposed to be kind of his attempt at tearing down this idea of toxic masculinity and this idea of these are the characters that we see as positive protagonists Mm. in films so often and he wants and paul verhoeven is a man who has no time or interest in innuendo innuendo is something that i think he actively hates because it hides the darkness Mm. of what you're actually trying to say so he believes that you should just put it entirely out there and deal with it on that level so what you start the film you're starting with kevin bacon as what film would tell you is the lovable scamp but no, we know as human beings is fucking awful. Like he's the first thing shit. you see him do is spying on a woman. Yeah, of course he does. But I and think she makes a return later. Yes. I think within <sighs> the context of other films like this, the, within the context, I think of the films that he's trying to critique and maybe, you know, dismiss a little, you yeah. know, if you have something like zapped or you have something like all, essentially any of those eighties or nineties sci-fi comedies where men get these like powers and they turn into gross sex creeps with that power and so i think i think he was trying to see how how long will an audience follow a character who oh so yeah we introduced him spying on a woman that's going to instantly turn right thinking people against him but there are people in the audience who are going to go hey yeah Yeah, that's awesome then the second thing he does is tell a rape joke and again i think that's going Awful. to be a moment where people in the audience go, oh, I do not, I don't like this character anymore. And then other aud- people in the audience are going to go, hey, yeah, that was funny. I love that. And then as it goes on, it just keeps turning the dial further and further and further until he, Verhoeven is just saying, why are you still following this man? Why is he still yeah. the protagonist of this film? Why do you still even care about him? At which point the film does fully switch over to being Elizabeth Shue's movie. And yes. I don't think that have it been works. the entire time. Entirely. I think the dial turning is the order in which things happen is screwed up. I think the molestation scene happens way it's too gross. early in this film and is really it's gross. gross. I, uh, that's evil. what I think they were trying. He's so evil. I mean, I said this with a friend. I was talking to a friend of mine about this movie. Uh, he also doesn't like mm-hmm. this movie. And I, I made the statement. I was like, so they have this super evil invisible man. He rapes a woman and he kills a dog. Mm-hmm. Okay. We already know your character is super evil. Only do one of those things. Pick one. Yeah. Pick one. Don't murder animals. Don't rape people, obviously. But pick one. You, we will get the idea that, hey, he's super evil. Yeah. With one of those things. Yeah. Ah, this movie. Let's... Great, great sound design, though, Jacob. <laughs> I gotta say, um... I recently, uh, last year I got a surround sound system, yeah. and I only recently started messing with like the actual surround settings, because I used to think, oh, it sounds pretty good, mm-hmm. but now I have the sound actually surrounding me, and uh, <laughs> it's creepy in this movie. Yeah. It's very creepy. You get to hear like animals shrieking from left and right. I watched a little bit of The Descent earlier today, and that was creepy with the surround yeah. sound. Didn't, didn't care for that. Not one bit. <laughs> Uh, I, I the mean, vis- the visual effects in this are good. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the film's major problem is the screenplay is bad. Yes, uh, the, the the visual effects are still great. I yeah, mean, I watched. I don't know if it looks any better on Blu-ray. I watched this on the DVD I've had mm-hmm. since it came out on DVD, and uh, 
you you folks at home, you want to have go through a real trip, uh, put in any DVD from the early 2000s and uh, watch how much of a chore it is to navigate those menus. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this, I also have the DVD that I bought because it had oh, the commentary man. in a way that the Blu-ray did not. That's weird. Uh, but, yeah, it's a chore navigating menus in the early 2000s. Nowadays, back then we thought it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> we thought it was so cool when you booted up the Jurassic Park DVD and you went inside the the giant footprint of the T Rex and there was water ripples. And I, nowadays, I'm just like, I just want to watch the movie. I, I'm honestly kind of the opposite of you. I still kind of love that shit. I hate when I hate when I uh, pop I'm in, in a rush. Warner Brothers I'm one and it's just like the top half is just the same picture on the front of the Blu-ray case, and then the bottom half are just those weird... Little stupid, uh, stupid, ugly dots. Yeah. Oh, they have the worst menu designs. Yeah. Warner Brothers. Oh, I'll go off on them on my uh, Blu-ray podcast later this year. <laughs> but... Oh, uh, so many podcasts. I have so much work to do, Jacob. Yeah. So much work. Um, uh, I, yeah. I would like to... So, like I said, I mean, when this film is a sci-fi film and is trying to explore ideas, it's bad. I think the last 40 minutes where it becomes a slasher movie, like, in Good. Fast Forward, I think those rule. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so, Paul Verhoeven, never done a straight horror movie before. And this is kind of his first... Again, I think He's the first half is supposed to be science fiction. We're exploring ideas. We yeah. just weren't smart enough to think of what ideas we actually want to explore. But He's pretty good at it. Yeah, once he gets back to the lab and is just... I'm going to murder everyone down here in the lab <laughs> and they all have to figure out how to get out. And there's so many fun, clever things that all the care for once the movie actually starts to become smart. Yeah. Characters start thinking about what should they be doing in this moment? The scene with the, where they splatter the blood all over the room and then it gets onto him and that becomes just this amazingly cool yeah. visual of his like body covered in blood. Um, it's cool. There's some gnarly kills Greg Grunberg falls and gets his neck like impaled, and that's it's pretty disgusting. rad. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I love my favorite scene in the movie, honestly, and I think one that I, I just I, I really enjoy is when they're locked. It's Elizabeth Shue and Josh Brolin have now been locked in a freezer, and it's cool. Josh Brolin is stabbed and he's bleeding out, and Elizabeth Shue has to figure out how the hell do we get out of this. Mm -hmm. And in these kinds of movies, so often characters aren't smart, even though they're scientists, because writers aren't smart. She invents an electromagnet by MacGyvering yes. what's in there. And that's a really cool, really clever way to get out of that, where mm -hmm. the writer had to actually think of something. And I, th I think that's a lot of fun. What do I do? And then she builds a flamethrower, and that fucking rolls. That's cool. And then he's just chasing her, and he's naked and angry and his body's like burned to a crisp and man I, again the last 40 least, minutes of this movie i think are just yeah. a banging like if we just close our eyes and pretend it's an extra long tales from the crypt episode that started there <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm down to clown with that much of hollow man last last half hour is a really good short film yeah and other than that i hate this movie that, i think it's i think it's horrendous that's fair <laughs> not a fan I, not a fan i wouldn't defend it in polite company but I'll defend it to <laughs> you. Polite company. <laughs> okay, so now we have been ending these episodes with discussing the Monster of the Week's uh, appearance in Monster Squad. But there is no Invisible Man in Monster Squad. That you can see. Exactly. <laughs> so what we're going to talk about real quick 
which were like 10 seconds each, the appearance of the Invisible Man in the 2003 masterpiece, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. The Disappearance. The Disappearance. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, okay, so yeah, this guy, uh, he's the Invisible Man, blah, 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 he joins a superhero team. He is not and technically H.G. Wells' Invisible Man because they couldn't nope. get the rights to him. So instead, get the rights to him. Rodney Skinner, gentleman Rodney thief. Rodney Skinner. Yes, he's a gentleman thief. Here's an embarrassing fact. I love this movie. Here's an embarrassing fact. I also love this movie. You're damn right, because it's fun as hell. It rules. <laughs> it's so much fun. Come on, it's the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. There are and, a lot uh, of uh, I, what losers would call continuity errors, specifically with the Invisible Man, where like occasionally he just has grease paint on his face, and then when they got tired yeah. of spending money on that, they would grease paint his whole head, but there'd be no sequence yeah. showing him doing that. But like, who gives a shit? <laughs> It's fun. It's it's a good time. Uh, I like this movie. Um, Here's a really embarrassing fact. I had a gecko that I named Dorian because I loved this movie so much when I was in high school. You're my hero <laughs> right now. Uh, so yeah, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It's not as bad as, you, as you've heard. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So now you see me, now you don't. That was the episode on The Invisible Man. That was supposed to rhyme, uh, but it didn't... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> at all now you and see me was, now you can't <laughs> that's the episode of the invisible man uh real quick before we go jacob where can the nice people find you on the internet the nice people can find me on the internet at jacob underscore denoble on twitter i'm on there all the time just i have been described as very online uh you can find me at the real matt c basically anywhere you go you can also find me over at talk film society where you can find this podcast uh we're on itunes now yeehaw give us a Give us a rating. Give us a review. Let us know what you think uh, when you hear this episode. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. I'm always receptive to either criticism or encouragement. I am only receptive uh, to encouragement. But if you criticize me, I might just block you. Because uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm a regular Beatrix kiddo with that block button. It's uh, really something else. Uh, so, Jacob, until next time, monsters never die. I'm the Invisible Man. I'm the Invisible Man. Incredible how you can see right through me.